0: Good morning, it's December, Christmas is coming, I have my Home Alone sweatshirt on today, if you can see, the talk boy, the air, the air ticket, the pizza, the van, all that fun stuff. Me and my kids, we watch it and we're always like, this would kill that person now, like this is what we do, like how'd those guys survive that, Right? because it's funny and it's great to watch. I, do, I was up all night last night and I wanted to give you a snippet of why. That's right. Did we notice that everyone last night? Now I gotta stop it because they tell me I have to play only 30 seconds. Okay, there we go. That was a wonderful game, right? It feels so good to be Big Ten champions. Lots of screaming and tears. It's a wonderful thing. And Christmas, like all in one. What a wonderful, wonderful December so far. I remember when I was in junior high, I had this great sermon idea that I told my dad. I told him, wouldn't it be fantastic, Dad, if during your Easter messages, if you focused on different people of the story, And then you looked at different people and gave their perspectives. Like, wouldn't that be great, Dad? Like, you can talk about Mary, and you can talk about Jesus, and you can talk about Pilate, and you can talk about, you know, the guy who carried the cross and the people on the cross besides and the robbers. Wouldn't that be wonderful? And at the end of the message, Dad, you simply stepped back. Drama fills the room. And you said, which character are you? And I was like, Dad, wouldn't that be great? Like, you can have all these people. And, you know, Peter, who cut the guy's ear off and then denied him. I thought it was a brilliant idea. And he didn't do it. <laughs> and that was year probably 1999. And finally, in 2021, my dad has this idea of doing something similar for Christmas. Like, and I just wanted to claim that this was my idea before he's back next week and tries to claim this, okay? Because can we agree we're on the same page? Like in 1999, Keisha Winstead at the time spoke this truth out here. So whatever, I'm not bitter, here we are. So we all know that Christmas now is less than three weeks away, and that is the time we celebrate the beginning of the ultimate love story. We know the story, at least the big event of the story. The people from all walks of life know this Christian Christmas story, right? It's about the birth of Jesus, our Messiah, our Savior. And that's the whole viewpoint that most of us see, that God sent his only perfect son who gave up his heavenly throne to penetrate earth, to rescue it, to mend it, to literally chase down his loves to redeem it. But like every good story, there is more to the story, right? There are more people involved, more stories, more perspectives. If you've ever had a relationship with any human being in the planet, you know that there's always more than one side of the story. I'm sure you've had conversations like that where someone tells you the side of the story. My favorite is kids. Their sides of the stories are amazing. And then you talk to somebody, and you're like, oh, that's how it really went down. Like, I had my daughter come and said, so-and-so said there's kidnappers in her neighborhood. I'm like, what? So I text the mom, like, are there kidnappers? Like, what's happened in your neighborhood? And she's like, there was a FedEx van, it, but it's okay. Nothing's like, so I'm like, okay, we have to check from different viewpoints of the story, right, and find out somewhere in the middle is the true story. But also, different views give us more to soak up from the story. And the birth of Jesus has been a story that I have literally known my entire life. I cannot recall a time that I did not know this story. And it seems like such a sweet story, doesn't it? But there's so much more to the story. And I'm excited because today we're starting this new series called A New View and involving the Christmas story. Not the Easter like I gave originally, but it's Christmas story. And we're going to shed some light on something that is so special about it. When I usually think of this story, I think of the sweet little manger, right? You know the one. How many of you have a manger set up in your house right now? Yes. And now they have like the little tot ones that kids can play with. And they have ceramic ones that you're only supposed to look at and not touch because you can break them. And we look at this manger and it's the well put together Mary, who doesn't look like she just gave birth to a baby without meds on the floor of a barn. The three wise men that have no business even being in the manger because they didn't even show up to see Jesus until he was older and at a house. The angels in their robes are glowing. And not to mention, a lot of the manger scenes are people who are white. And my friends, let me tell you, Jesus was Middle Eastern. They were all Middle Eastern. They were not white people. And we have this manger scene that is not accurate. And to be honest, it was really anything but calm. How many of you have given birth? Anyone in here given birth? <laughs> yeah, anyone here in the room when someone's given birth? Is it calm? Is it silent? If you had a silent birth, I applaud you. That is wonderful. You are superheroes. I know mine was anything but silent. And so we say, like, oh, look at this manger. All was calm, all was bright. And it's like, no. Teenage chick over here just had a baby without medication in a barn, and a screaming baby while cows are mooing and pigs are neighing. Like this was not calm or silent. And it seems as though we want to believe that this scene was wrapped up in a lovely package with a perfect bow, with its perfect little family. This perfect mom and dad over here, they had zero baggage, and now this perfect little baby. The perfect baby, yes, that is true. That doesn't mean he didn't poop his pants and scream. That's not, those are not sinful things to do, okay? But he was a perfect baby in his nature. The perfect picture family, though, I mean, maybe. But if anything, it is because of choices that both Mary and Joseph had to make. So today, we are going to focus on Joseph. Not the father of Jesus, but the stepfather of Jesus. You heard me right. I remember landing on this realization a few years ago and feeling completely wowed. How had I missed this? I had missed the simple fact that Joseph was not the bio dad of Jesus. Like, we know that, but do we really know that? We know that God was the father of Jesus, that he placed his son in the Virgin Mary. But in a world of blended families, I'm here to tell you, Jesus had a blended family. And really, Jesus' story was one choice away from having no stepdad at all. So let's look at this man that Jesus called dad, Joseph. He knew who his actual dad was. Jesus did, right? He was Jesus. He just knew, right? And he knew that he was on a mission. So when he's a little kid, there's a time where every parent's worst nightmare comes out. Mary and Joseph are leaving a city, and they're like, where's Jesus? I thought he was with you. I thought he was with you. Anyone else have those experiences? Well, I swear he was with you. We lost Mason one time at the zoo, and it was awful. And it was probably for like literally one minute, but it felt like a lifetime when there's, it's so busy. You're like, where's my kid? She's with another family, literally just like chilling, looking at him. Like, well, she didn't, whatever. As long as you feed her, she's fine. Um, probably just strawberries. That's all she'll eat. But other than that, she'd be fine. So Jesus himself is separated from his mom and dad. They can't find him. They go back to where they knew he was last, and they find him preaching in the temple. And they're like, Jesus looks at them. And he's like, why were you searching for me? Don't you know that I had to be in my father's house? He's like saying, hello, this is my dad's house. I am my father's son. Of course I would be in my father's house. He knew who his real father was. And then there was Joseph. So in Matthew 1, we are first introduced to Joseph, starting in verse 18. So let's focus on this for a second. Marriage was done a bit differently back then. It isn't like they met on a dating app and then met at Starbucks for their first date and flirted and went to the zoo lights and took a zillion pictures and selfies together. It was basically arranged. So Joseph's family paid Mary's family for her to become Joseph's wife. Joseph when he found out about this pregnancy, he was like, "Whoa, time out. Like how is this going to look? What do you mean?" Mary, that this is like not your baby. Like, right? Like how did the baby come to be here? He wanted to be faithful to the law, but he knew what this was going to look like. So when he first heard the news, his first reaction was to bolt. You can take out your sermon notes and write that down. Joseph bolted. That was his first reaction. Now, Bolt kind of seems like a strong word when we're really looking at what he did, but basically he decided he needed to bow out of this situation. Because how would that look? This person you're just engaged to that you're not supposed to consummate the marriage with yet is pregnant? Really, Joseph? Really? It's God's son? He was with this woman that was now pregnant. (laughs) There was no consummation. He knew it wasn't his baby, But he did not want to expose her or shame her. And I think that's exactly opposite of what we're used to, right? But he wanted out. He didn't want to be with her anymore. He was done. He wanted to bolt or bow out, and he was ready to get the heck out of Dodge. And this makes me feel so normal. How many times do we not, we don't want to do something? We know it's the right thing to do. But when things are uncomfortable and they're tricky, I think so many of us, like, we feel that same way. And we read the Bible, and most of the people we see in the Bible, their first response was to bolt. I think of Jonah, right? He's a great example. Like, peace out. I am not listening to what you say, God. But so many of us like want to be done and we see people all over the Bible that when their chapter of their life is unfolding and it's not what they thought it was gonna be, the first sure, they're like, not like, okay, God, that's great, I'll do whatever you say. No, they're like, nah, run. Isn't that such a human thing to do? To come up against something totally off the original plan, totally disconnected from what you imagined your life Was gonna look like, or you thought was gonna happen, and then we just wanna bounce. I can't imagine what Joseph was thinking. He thought him and this girl were golden, and all of a sudden, she has this unexpected pregnancy, and she claims she's pregnant by the Holy Spirit. This wasn't in his plan at all. Like, this was totally off script. I'm sure he was looking through his life book like, where is this chapter? This was not what's supposed to happen yet. But here he is. And the reality is settling in, and he could have easily disgraced her. He had every right to publicly disgrace her. Yet he decided to go quietly. His initial initial response is to run from the unexpected and then he has some thoughts go through his head a little bit more. He decides that I could do this, but I'm going to choose a path of honor. He decided he's not going to be dramatic about the decision. If you've ever watched like Real Housewives of Atlanta or whatever show, I mean, they, they like drama. Most of us like drama. If you say you don't like drama, I bet you like drama. Um, he doesn't want to shame Mary, but he doesn't want to be involved with this pregnancy either. So yet he chooses to uphold his integrity, Joseph, in the midst of the unexpected, he chose integrity. He had integrity. He kept his integrity. You know what they say about integrity? Integrity is when you make the right choice when no one's looking. That's what Joseph did. He could have easily like, went up to the town council and said, let me tell you all what happened. This woman, she's pregnant. I'm done with her. Shame, 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 shame. But he didn't. And what a lesson. In the moments where we want to smear someone else's name, the moment we want to be dishonest or hide the truth, in the moments where we have a choice between the right or the wrong thing, we can choose to keep our integrity. To choose the decision that gives us peace. I read in a book many years back by Lisa Turkhurst that said, choose the choices that give you peace. Run through those choices, run them down to the end, and say, in a month from now, am I going to still have peace? In five years from now, am I going to still have peace? And that momentary peace, I'm talking about long-term peace. Sometimes we make a decision that feels good right now, but we know it's going to suck when it starts to turn out and the truth comes up. But we want peace that settles our spirit, knowing that we did the right thing. So even though Joseph wanted out of the arrangement, he was going to end it well. Sometimes in life, there are things that happen out of our control. Really, most of the time in our life, things happen out of our control. Yet we still have some control in the way we react or the way we respond in those situations. We always can choose integrity. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. After Joseph decides to end this arrangement with Mary, he has a dream, and the angel of the Lord appears to him and champions him and tells him, Joseph, this is indeed a birth conceived by the Holy Spirit. And don't be afraid that Mary will have a son and you, Joseph, will name him Jesus. The angel of the Lord is telling Joseph that he will be a part of this calling. What he thought was just Mary's deal. Actually, this isn't just Mary's deal, Joseph. You also will be involved here. And Joseph wakes up and does exactly what he has been told. He takes her as his wife and they go through with their arrangement and yet he still honors his integrity by not consummating the marriage and honoring the customs. He could have, they could have easily consummated that marriage, y'all. Easily. No one would have known because she was already pregnant. But he still kept his honor and his integrity. And remember, Joseph's plans have been thrown off script now and the unexpected has happened and he could have walked away. Like, he could have easily ignored God's command. Let's pause and think about that for a second. What would have happened if Joseph said, nope, I'm good? What if he didn't obey? It would have been really difficult for Mary to find another husband while being pregnant. No one would have wanted to pay Mary's family for her. If Joseph didn't say yes to the now that God was presenting, what impact would that have had? Would God have been able to figure that out? Sure, he's God. But there is free will, and free will, our choices, can shift the original plan. And Joseph had free will and could have disobeyed the command from the angel of the Lord, but he said yes to the now. Everything was changing. And yet, despite that, he said yes. He saw the now that was happening. Instead of running from it like he could have, he leaned into it and said yes to the now. So many of us know how this feels. We have plans, we have dreams, we have things we want for our life, and it goes sideways. I think we all have a story about how they thought life was going to go down this path, but then there's twists and turns, and now you're faced with a now that you did not expect, probably didn't even want. And yet, you can choose to lean into the now. Saying yes to the now that you did not expect is so brave. It may not be what you imagined, but that doesn't mean you can't be used in the now. Your now is all you have. And focusing in the future or what you want Like, that's not going to get us anywhere. So I don't mean don't make plans or be wise, but I mean sometimes we get so focused on the future or hung up on the past that we ignore the now. And if you ignore the now, what are you missing? What opportunity are you not seizing that could be life-altering in a magnificent way? I think of the story of, I'm sure you guys have heard it, it's pretty viral now, of this grandma who sends a text message to her grandkids and one of the grandsons she thought was she was communicating with changed his number. So she's texting this random kid, come to my Thanksgiving dinner. And he's like, who's this? He's, she's like, grandma. He's like, who's Grandma. So she sends a picture to him, and he's like, that's not my grandma, like, I'm Jamal. And basically, she's like, well, come to my house, Jamal, for Thanksgiving. Be there at 3 p.m. He's like, are you sure? So they send pictures, like, yeah, this is who I am, this is who I am. And my friends, he came, and this was their sixth Thanksgiving dinner together, because this woman said yes to the now. Now, I am not saying you should text people randomly on text messages and, like, invite them to your home, but this pretty amazing story, that he said yes to the now, she said yes to the now, and now they're actually going to have a Netflix show on these people. Like, awesome story. I did read that her husband died this year from COVID, and she was really, like, not looking forward to Thanksgiving, but it was still, I guess, a really good one, because they, he came over, it looks like he has a fiance now or something as well, and so their family just continues to expand, And what if we said yes to those moments, the things that we were not expecting, the things that we didn't think we wanted? What if right now where you are at, even though it's not maybe what you imagined, what if you said yes to the now? I think the most beautiful piece of this story is that Joseph assumed the position. He did not have to. He had every right, according to the customs, to bow out of the arrangement, but he chose to assume the position of Jesus' stepdad. He knew he wasn't the father. He was a stand-in. He stepped up to being a step-parent, definitely pun intended. And he assumed the position and he gave it his all. So he brought Mary to Bethlehem. You guys know this story. He found a place for her to give birth, he protected them years later from a guy named King Herod who let jealousy get the best of him and decided to have every baby boy aged two and under slaughtered because he didn't want any of them to be the Messiah and rise up and take over power. And Joseph was the one that listened to God and protected them from that. He was also ready to say yes when God called them back to Nazareth. And that's why we call him Jesus of Nazareth. He took Jesus in as his own. Can you imagine being the step-parent to a child whose bio dad was God? Talk about no comparison. Yet Joseph stood in and raised Jesus as his own. I want to specifically talk right now to the people that are involved in blended families. You are in good company because Jesus was a part of a blended family. If you're a step-parent right now or a step-grandparent or you have another relationship with someone who's not blood-related but you've stepped into that role, you are so vital. And you are so, so necessary in their lives. Maybe this wasn't the original plan or what you expected yourself in, but you have an opportunity to assume the position and to bring your all to it. I know there can be some complications and some rough terrain, but imagine what stepping up into that role and loving the people it brought could do. I had the sweetest grandpa, and I called him Poppy. He was quiet, and he was goofy, and he was steady and stable. He was comforting and kind. He balanced my really silly, crazy grandma out really well. And he took me camping, and he was hardworking. And every time he worked on the house, it reminded me of Clark Griswold. Um, He actually, like, had ladder issues and, like, was hanging on things. Like, he was just a very Clark Griswold kind of home worker. And he would wear the cutest slippers and the most precious bucket hat. And like most grandpas, I knew him from the time that I was born. And he is someone that I miss so dearly. He died in 2005 after I graduated high school. And it's crazy to think that I've almost doubled that lifespan since he died. I'm 34. I was 18 when he died. So two more years and I've lived another 18 years without him. And I think about all the things he's missed, right? Like he never knew Brandon Bray and I went to the same school, and so sometimes I kind of get a kick out of, like, did he actually ever walk by my grandpa when we were at plays and things like that? You know, your mind can kind of create beautiful stories. He never saw me get married. He never saw me get my master's degree. He never met my babies.
1: And I wish he was still here. And you guys know if you've lost people that your love for them never goes away, right? It always exists. And grief is weird, and it can be years, and you still miss them. But the most beautiful thing about it, he was my step-grandpa. And I couldn't tell you any difference. I never met my bio-grandpa. My parents said maybe once when I was an infant, but I don't remember that. And I don't know what kind of stuff my grandpa really dealt with. My dad's dad. I didn't know him. I don't have any relationship with him, and now he's gone, so I couldn't even pick him off the street if I saw him today. And I don't know what he did to choose not to be a part of our lives, but that's his own deal. Forgiveness is rough, right, and it's a long process. But when I think about grandparents, I think about my poppy, My step-grandpa, the one who assumed the role when he didn't have to. And he made a difference in my life because of it. I think of Pete Bishop, who's on, like, he's so loyal to us, right, in our church, and he's here every week, and he also assumed a role. He's a dad, but he's also a stepdad, and he's also has taken in his brother-in-law, and he has assumed the role to love people that he didn't think his life would give. And what beautiful examples of that. So many of us have roles right in front of us that if we accept them, we can make an impact. It isn't easy. It's rarely as comfortable. But what role can you step into? Maybe it is literally embracing your role as a stepparent
0: or a grandparent or aunt or uncle or adopted parent or grandparent. Maybe you're an
1: awesome foster parent Maybe you work in a school system, or maybe you're at a business where there are people that you need, that they need, like,
0: extra love. Maybe it's a job that you do not want to go to ever, but if you say yes to the now and assume the position, you can make an impact in someone's life there. I would love to move away from Michigan, but sometimes I dream of different things, but here I am, right? Sometimes we just need to be faithful to where we're at and to show up where we're at. And I do not know what roles you guys all have in front of you. I'm sure there's so many that we could name. But I do know this, that if you say yes to the now and assume the position and choose to honor God in it, I believe that the world could be better. We can't change the whole world, right? We can't. But we can make a difference with what we have and where we are now. And I love that Joseph was technically a step-parent, It's so awesome, isn't it? It just brings that like Christmas story even better. He didn't have to, but he chose to. He made a difference by leaning into the role right in front of him. So let me ask you, what role can you step into? What is a role that maybe you haven't been faithful in so far? Or you've wished so much that it would be different. You've wished so much that it would change and so you just haven't given it your all. You haven't really shown up in the position. And what role can you make a difference in now by simply assuming the position? We all have a choice. It really is crazy how it always comes down to a choice, isn't it, in so many situations. But we have choices all the time. And this is a choice we can make. It might not look what we planned, but we can definitely say yes to the now. Will you pray with me? God, thank you for this time of the year. And we can get super busy with all the things about Christmas the presents, the shopping, the parties, the peppermint mochas, all the good stuff. But really, God, like it comes down to you sending your son to this earth to rescue a very messed up population of people. Not because. You were like this dictator, God, but because you are a loving God and you just want relationship with us. And thank you for this reminder that our life rarely goes how we plan and it doesn't have to be over, that we can assume the position that you have in front of us. God, you know all the stories that are represented in this room. You know where people are at. You know what people are wrestling with. And you know family situations and how, like, really messy those can be. And I ask God that right now, wherever people are at, that you nudge their spirits, that you show them roles that they can step into. What can they do now to say yes to what you have? Yes to the now right in front of them. May we be faithful in the now. Because if we're not faithful in the now, there's a good chance we're not going to be faithful in the future. So help us to say yes to the now. Thank you for your son. Thank you for that little bitty baby that grew up to be a miracle worker, to be someone that brought peace and redemption and love and completely Flipped the script on the law. Thank you for that little baby. You got our good even when we are so, so not. And we love you so much. Thank you for your goodness, your love. Thank you for this time of the year where we can pause and may we not get so wrapped up in the busyness that we forget your son, Jesus. We love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen.